the message of the Bible isn't buck up and don't be afraid. The message of the Bible is look at me and I will help you deal with your fears. Hey, hey, welcome to Live Like It's True, the podcast devoted to helping you know the story, share the story, and live the story. And of course, the story I'm referring to is the true story the Bible tells. I'm your host, Shannon Popkin, and I'm so glad you're here. What fears do you struggle with? What anxieties hold you back? Do you worry about things that might hurt you or the ones that you love, things that are out of your control? If so, I'm really glad you're joining us today. I can't wait for you to meet my guest, Kristen Weatherill. Kristen is a dear friend. She's a pastor's wife, a mom, an author, and a speaker. She and her husband, Brad, live in the Chicagoland area with their two kids, and they're part of The Orchard, where Brad is a pastor. And Kristen is the author of several books, including Fight Your Fears. I tell you, I had a chance to fight some fears this week. My family is just coming out of quarantine. We're healthy and we're so grateful, but we had a bout with COVID and it just unearthed so many of those old fears that I had to deal with all over again. But this conversation was really helpful for me and I hope it will be for you as well. I think that you'll notice this episode is a little different from the others in the series on the true stories of Jesus because we're going to be looking at a passage from Luke 12, where Luke is not sharing a story, but rather a teaching of Jesus that gives us some insight into the overall story that the Bible tells. And so according to this overarching story that we are all part of, what should we fear? What shouldn't we fear? That's what we're going to talk about with Kristen Wetherill. Kristen, welcome. It's so good to see you. Hi, my friend. It's good to be here with you. It's been a while since I last saw you in person. COVID, right? <laughs> right. Thank you, COVID. <laughs> so today we're going to be discussing fear. We're going to talk about fear. And you've written a book called Fight Your Fears. And I wonder if just to set up the conversation on fear, if you have a true story about something related to fear. I think you do. <laughs> I do. I, I feel like I have a lot of true stories. <laughs> I think I'm kind of by personality, a fearful person, but this one story in particular happened during my college years. I believe it was my junior year of college. And, um, I had gone to the grocery store with my friend and she and I were driving back in my SUV. It was the fall. I believe it was November. So it was getting dark early. It was probably only 6 PM, but it was dark already. Okay. And we pulled up in front of her house and we were just finishing our conversation. And so we were sitting there and you know, I popped the little light on the top of my car so that I could see her and we could keep talking man alive. I will never do that again. Um, because before I knew it, there was a tap at her window. So I was driving, she was my passenger. There was a tap at her window and I turned and there was a guy there dressed all in black and I couldn't really see his face because his head was covered as well. And he was pointing a gun at us and he just started yelling, give me all of your stuff. And I, I mean, naturally, please, yes. <laughs> um, you do exactly what he tells you. So we just, we rolled down the window and we just started giving him our stuff. I didn't actually have that much on me. You know, that was kind of the beginning of like only carrying cards and nobody carried cash around. So I didn't have cash, oh, okay. yeah. but she had like an iPod. So she gave him her iPod and he took our wallets. Um, he made her get out of the car and. Oh. 
held the gun to her chest and said, what else do you have? And we just kept saying, we don't have anything else. This is all that we have. And I remember, I remember saying to him, please don't shoot, please don't shoot. Mm, Yeah. And by the mercy of God, he said, get back in the car and drive away. So we did, we sped off and I don't even remember that drive away. You know, it was just such a surreal moment. Life has flashed before your eyes. And so we parked somewhere else and called the cops, you know, called campus security, called our parents and it was terrifying, but God preserved our lives that night. And we think it was some form of gang initiation, you know, wanting to get our stuff, but not actually hurt anybody, (laughs) but it was still incredibly terrifying and um, not fun. So yeah, true story. (laughs) True story. Oh, Kristen, I can't even imagine how terrifying that would be. And I'm sure that was so hard to want to protect her, but stay in the driver's seat. Do you remember what you were thinking? Um, yeah, I was trying to, I was trying to remember, and I don't think I had many thoughts. I think your body just goes into fight or flight, you know? And so you're just kind of running on adrenaline and thinking, I just don't want to die. Right. <laughs> don't shoot me, you know, but I am so grateful because I feel like I should have some kind of PTSD yeah. experience. Uh-huh. And I really don't like, I'm not afraid of driving at night. I'm not, I don't have this fear of that happening again. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful. Praise God. But I have to say, I live in a pretty safe area. Like I've never been held at gunpoint and I don't even think I've heard a gunshot. But what I've noticed is that people who have these safe environments, they tend to be just as fearful. Like those of us who live in in safe communities and we have safe, you know, we have airbags and we have locks and security systems and we have all these things in place to keep us safe. We have this sense that we're in control that we've got this all managed, but yet we somehow inside, we know that we don't like with COVID, the fear didn't go away just by managing our circumstances. So I think this passage that we're going to talk about has a lot to say to all of us, wherever we live, whatever fears we're facing today. And so I would love for you to just start us out by reading um, Luke chapter 12, four through seven. Great. So I'm reading from the ESV translation. This is God's word. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. Thank you. So what do you think the original audience was thinking when Jesus said these words? We've got Jesus is is talking to his disciples here at this point, right? And what do you think they're thinking, Kristen, as he says these words? Well, I think Luke's whole gospel, uh, a lot of his themes are around the kingdom of God. So what does it mean that Jesus is the coming king? So Israel, God's people, had been expecting this coming king, what they called the Messiah. Luke is basically answering the question, what does it mean that Jesus is this king and that he's inaugurated God's kingdom? And then what does it mean to live in light of God's kingdom? And isn't that the question that we're asking when we're confronted with fear and the realm of this world, this kingdom that we can see with our two eyes, 
So Jesus, he's addressing his disciples here. Um, and it's basically like the the type of writing that Luke is doing here is sermon. So, so Jesus is giving them a sermon and he's just basically come off a conversation with the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders who he knows are trying to, what it says in verse 54, chapter 11, catch him in something he might say. So Jesus is headed to Jerusalem. The son of God is about to suffer and die for the sins of his people on the cross. And he's about to lay in the tomb for three days and then rise again as the reigning king. That's what he's about to do. So he's on his way to Jerusalem and he knows that these Jewish religious leaders are trying to catch him in something that he might say. And yet Jesus knows that this is his father's plan. Um, So Jesus is addressing the fear that comes from people who could hurt us. And he's about to experience this in his flesh. Right. So there, there is some legitimacy for the disciples to look at the Pharisees and say, like, I'm afraid of them. Like they're after you, Jesus, and, and they eventually will kill him. So it's very legitimate for us to be talking about people who are evil, who will kill you. These and, are real things. Yes. Right. And right. and for Christians, maybe we haven't experienced it quite as much in our neck of the woods, but worldwide, we look at Christians who have to face people who will kill them because they're with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think what you just said, Shannon, is so important because the message of the Bible isn't buck up and don't be afraid. The message of the Bible is look at me. And I will help you deal with your fears. And Jesus Mm. says many times, I mean, right here, fear not, fear not. But why does he have to keep saying it over and over? It's because there are things to be afraid of. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not living in a euphoric worldview here. We know that the world has been corrupted by sin. We know that, that there is evil present. We know that there's other things to fear, disease. I mean, COVID-19, right. And death. And so the Bible is actually an incredibly realistic book because it's the truth. And um, Jesus is saying that there are things to be afraid of, but then he actually wants to help us deal with those fears. Yeah. So yeah, when you had a gun pointed in your car, it's a dangerous world we live in. We're not minimizing any of the dangers that we face, but what do we do with those fears? Yeah. Well, I would love it if you'd let me Shannon, because I know the other section we're going to look at together is um, the do not be anxious section. So can I go ahead and read that for us? That'd be great. Perfect. These two things, like I said, we're going to look at this whole thing in in context. And so they tie together really well, actually. So let's continue at verse 22. And he, Jesus, said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven— How much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. 
Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So once again, what we see here is this theme of the kingdom. Luke is all about this theme. Jesus is inaugurating God's kingdom, which is different than the world's kingdom. So the way I see it in this passage, um, we can kind of break it up into three different sections, we'll call it. We're seeing here that um, there is an upside down, unexpected and surprising nature to God's eternal kingdom. That's kind of what's astonishing. It would have been different for the original audience to hear. And it's different for us to hear. This is... This is a different way of thinking about the world. So three ways that this is different. So we see here a different authority. Um, Jesus is not talking here about the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees. He's not talking here about Roman rule because at at that time, uh, Rome ruled over that part of the world. And um, he's not talking about Roman rule here. He's talking about God's rule. Mm -hmm. He's talking about God, who is our king which we see here, he's going to give us the kingdom. So who's the king? God. And he's talking about God as our father. So God has the authority of a king and he has the authority of a father. And what does that evoke for us? Um, A king has sovereign power. He's in control and um, God is perfect. So he's not like an earthly king who makes mistakes in his decisions, but God's rule is perfect. Scripture says that not one of his plans can be thwarted. Everything that he does is perfect. He's in control of all things. And then the word father evokes care and tenderness and goodness. So God is, he's not just a sovereign ruler, but he's a good sovereign ruler. He is our king and he is our father. And he is the one who is in authority over us and over all the world, whether we acknowledge it or not. It's just true. That's what's true. So we have a different authority here that would have been surprising to the original audience as well as surprises us. And then second, we have a different worldview here. Um, I doubt that the original audience was using the expression YOLO, but (laughs) for the sake sake of our understanding, um, you know, the world thinks you only live once. And of course, the Jewish people would have had an understanding of eternity But Jesus would be drawing this out and saying, there is a greater fear, a weightier fear that comes knowing that you will live forever to put the fears of this life in proper perspective. So it's not you only live once, but it's you will live forever. And that's in one of two places. And the Bible is really, really clear about how people want to water that down, Mm -hmm. but you just can't avoid it. Mm -mm. It's right here. Jesus himself says, I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. And that's interesting because it's actually assigning the killing to God. What is God's hand over evil? Jesus is talking about the Pharisees. He's talking about the people who will kill him. So what is the role? What is God's role in the evil and suffering of this world. Now we won't go down that rabbit trail because mm-hmm. we could talk about that forever and, and never get to the bottom of it because we don't understand the full mystery of it. And yet we know, remember, God is a sovereign king. He's in control and God is a good, good father. And so if we trust him as a father and a king, then we don't have to fret ourselves over these things that we don't understand. 
what we stand on is that he's a father and a king Mm -hmm. and that his kingdom endures forever. And the one who trusts in his son will live forever. And so that's that's the worldview that we want to have. Mm -hmm. These things that we see are pointers to what's coming and there, everything's been broken and corrupted by sin. So they're, they're dim reflections of what's coming, but God, how do you want us to, how do you want us to direct our, the, the eyes of our hearts to you and to what's eternal and to trust you with that and to have that worldview? It's a very different worldview. We're not just living for right now because, Hey, if I'm just living for right now, then yeah, I'm going to do whatever I can to stay alive. I'm going to be terrified about death or anything that could hurt me. I'm going to be terrified about not having food or clothing or shelter. But man, will that fear diminish if I consider that this is not the end. I don't only live once. Mm-hmm. I, my, my life and my soul are in the hands of a king and a father who loves me. And that changes things. Kristen has used the word worldview several times, and worldview is a storytelling word. It points to the story that we have constructed about the world and how it began and what its problems are and who its savior is. So for those of us who fear God, we want to have Jesus frame our worldview. Last night, we had some guests, and my husband was telling a story about our son. Here's the story. He said, I was doing the taxes, and Cade came in and said, Dad, I finally have enough to buy the Lego set that I've been saving for. I think Cade was seven or eight at the time. And so he spread out his $20 that he had saved up for the Lego set, and Ken said, Well, buddy, you're going to need about $1.20 for the tax. And Kate said, the tax, and he started crying. Oh, the tax. And so here was a funny story of a father commiserating with his son about taxes. And about halfway through the story, I cut in and interrupted my husband and said, you're telling it wrong. Now, I kind of do this quite a bit. It's really important to me that the story is told correctly. So I said, you're telling it wrong. I said, you know, he was at Target at the checkout when this happened. And my husband said, no, you weren't there. He said, I just distinctly remember the irony of being at home doing the taxes. And he came in and was crying about the taxes. And I realized later that I had only pictured the scene at Target. I had heard this story many times and I even told the story, but I had constructed some misconstrued details in my own imagining of the story. Now, how silly it would have been for me to argue with my husband or my son, insisting that I understood he was the one who was there. He understood better than me. And it's the same with Jesus. He's the one who is there at creation. He was there with his father. And he's the one who was commiserating, not over something as small as taxes, but as grievous as sin. He's been there in heaven from the beginning and will be there for all of time. And so when Jesus talks about his kingdom, we should listen to him. We may have some misconstrued ideas about the world and about how things will be at the end of the age. And so when Jesus describes the, the risk, the dire risk of facing the one who can not only take your life, but command your destiny, we should listen to him. 
He was there with the Father. He has returned to the Father. And it would be utterly foolish for us to assume that we understand more than Jesus about the unfolding story of our world. So, as somebody who wants to live like it's true, whenever Jesus is talking about his kingdom and he's talking about the overarching story of the world, we should listen very carefully. We should let Jesus reframe the story in our minds. For more on King Jesus's upside down kingdom and how gaining Jesus's perspective frees us from our fears here in this world, check out my book, Comparison Girl. It's a six week women's study and you can find out more at comparisongirl.com. I hope you'll also check out Kristen's book, Fight Your Fears. You can go to kristenweatherall.com for more information. And let's jump back into this conversation with Kristen. A different authority, a different worldview. And then what happens when we consider these things? We have a different fear. We don't fear man or the future, as these passages are saying. We fear the Lord. When we fear the Lord, it doesn't mean that these other fears disappear, like poof, like it's just a magic formula. Okay, God, I think I fear you. So just make these other fears go away. And the Christian life isn't even about becoming fearless, it's about loving the one who is to be feared. Mm. It's about fighting that fight because goodness gracious, Shannon, every day I wake up afraid of something. (laughs) And yet God is my King and my father, and he's going to help me fight that fear. As I fix my eyes on his authority, it's a different authority and on his kingdom, his worldview, it's a different worldview. And I I kind of find over time that my other fears are put in their place. Mm. I mean, that they go away but it, it kind of, it kind of um, puts things in proper perspective, eternal perspective. So good, Kristen. I so enjoyed just how you pieced that together. And it seems to me as though people are in one of two categories. They're either living in fear of this great King and father, or they're living not in fear of him. And they have everything else to fear without a king over them and without a father. You know, Jesus calls us his little flock, right? His little flock. So tender. (laughs) It's so tender. And so do not fear of little flock. You have a father and a king who's ruling over all the details of your life. He's in control. Uh, so that that does change everything. And I also love the perspective you brought to those of us who are in this little this little flock, who have this king and this father, we're not just living for the here and now. That, you know, I mean, it, it feels uncomfortable to look at our lives as, as so temporary and so small as part of the big picture, but yet they are. And I completely agree with you that this idea of minimizing hell and not talking about it. The Bible is a true story. Jesus is a true storyteller, and he is telling the truth here that there is something to be feared. And so if you're putting yourself in that second category where you're not fearing God and you're not thinking about hell and you don't really have any, you don't, you don't want to go there, you really are putting yourself at risk. And so it's much less dangerous in this dangerous world to look fear or look at the fear of hell straight in the face and say, my king has conquered that fear. 
through, through Jesus. And my father has protected me. I have nothing to fear when I am adopted into this family where he's my father. That's right. Yeah. I think the fear of death is a great mercy. Actually. I think it's God waking us up to what's been written on our hearts. Eternity. Right. Mm, Yeah. That's so that's, that's profound really. Yeah. But the fear of death is actually, it, it helps to, uh, put the story together for us. Mm -hmm. We were intended to die. We were intended originally to live forever. Mm -hmm. And yet there's such peace. I just went to a visitation for a friend who lost her dad this week. And I got to talk with her mom for a little bit. And she's, she talked repeatedly about how this was just a sweet time. It was, it was hard to let her husband go, but she had such peace and joy through it because God was with her. He he tended to her like she was part of his little flock and he took care of her. <laughs> and it's, it just gave me such peace and comfort that when I, when I face that day where I'll have to lose someone that I love, that my father will tend to me too. And that, that my king is ruling over every detail of my life and the lives of those people I love. That, it, that does quell our fears. It doesn't remove them. I mean, we're still afraid of death. It's not as though, I love that you said, we're not trying to say there's nothing to be afraid of. We're just, how do we deal with those fears? So what difference does it make then to know that the story is true, Kristen? Like, let's say that this gunpoint experience was a little more recent and you're waking up in the night thinking about it, or you have something else that is infringing on your life and just causing fear. I mean, I've gone through different things in my life where I had one of my kids that was going through something really hard. And I would just, I mean, it would be 20, 25 times a day where I would just have fear grip my heart. Uh, So what, how do we fight those fears? What about this true story that Jesus has given us is helpful? I think, you know, God's word, um, transforms our mind and it renews our heart. It's a sort of the spirit. It's called that for a purpose. So it's a tool to fight. We need to know the truth in order to live the truth. Right. So I would say like the more, the more that we can meditate on these realities and on these truths, the better equipped we'll be to fight fears when they arise. So So I just, I kind of jotted this down. Like what difference should it make to know this story is true based on what we just talked about? So here's what I wrote. If we believe the authority of God outweighs men and the kingdom of God outlasts the world, then we will fear God as we should. And the fear of lesser things will diminish. I'll just say that one more time. If we believe the authority of God outweighs men and the kingdom of God outlasts the world, then we will fear God as we should. And the fear of lesser things will diminish. So how can we get these truths seeping into our mind, into our hearts? Well, it's a spiritual thing. So we, ask, we have to ask God for help. God, give me faith. God, would you store up your word in my heart? And would you, um, you know, keep me from sinning against you in unbelief? God, help me, help me to believe. Um, so I think we should just look at each of these pieces. So authority. So if God is our king and our father, first of all, we have to ask the question, is this true for me? Because Mm -hmm. God is the father of those who have acknowledged Christ, the son, like you just said earlier, Shannon, um, there are two realities. (laughs) There is the reality of living um, in light of God, the king and father's favor and blessing and not right. There's no in between. There's no neutral ground. 
So the question is, how does this become true for me? How does God become my father? How does how does he become my king? And we have it right here in our passage, right around there in verse eight. Um, Jesus says, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the son of man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. In other words, this is about saying, yes, Jesus, you are the son of God. And I believe that um, you are the king, that you came and you came to conquer death and sin on the cross, that you rose again to new life and that you offer it to all those who will receive it from you. So is God your father? Is Jesus your king? And if that's true of you, then amen. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. That means you're going to be with him forever. So I think we, first of all, we have to acknowledge Christ as our authority. Um, But what does this mean? It means we're going to live by his word. If he is our king and he is our father, then we want to stay close to him. (laughs) We want to know what he says. We want to listen to him. And what a beautiful thing that we have the God of the universe talking to us through a book Mm -hmm. on our shelf. This is amazing to, to hear from him every single day, to hear him speak to us by the power of his spirit through the words on the page. What a privilege. Mm-hmm. And so are we, are we listening to him? He's our King. He's our father. Let's submit to his authority and listen to him because it's best for us. We could be listening to a bunch of other voices. We are not at a loss for voices right now, right. but rather than social media and news, and it doesn't mean we can't listen to these things, but what's primary? What's the loudest? What's ruling our day? What's ruling our hearts? Is it the word? Is it God speaking? And then just like we want our children to not just listen, but obey us, (laughs) this is best for them. And it Mm -hmm. pleases us. God wants us to not only listen, but obey him because it's best for us and because it pleases him. So I've been here before where I, I I see the difference between when I'm afraid (laughs) obeying and not obeying. Mm -hmm. I'll just give an example. So I just finished up a book project. I was on a chapter toward the end. The end is the most grueling part because you're so tired, but you're just so close Mm -hmm. and it just wouldn't come Shannon. It would not come. And I just prayed and prayed and prayed and started over like five times and it just (laughs) wouldn't come. And I knew that with God's help, I had a choice. I could either like fret about it or not. (laughs) And I chose to fret about it. Mm. And it pretty much ruined my week. I mean, it didn't because again, God is my king and my father and everything he uses for my good, but it was really kind of an awful week Mm. mentally, emotionally. It just brought me down to the pit and God just brought me to this place of saying, it is good to depend on me. It is really good. (laughs) And you can't do this without me. And so he used it in remarkable ways, but that was a good example of not trusting his provision his timing, his power, and kind of falling into a spirit of fear. And it was not fruitful. (laughs) We'll just put it that way. So, but man, what a different thing to obey him and to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to rehearse these verses in my head. These are true. These promises are true. You're going to provide for me and you're going to, you're going to do what's best for me and for your glory as well. So I think that that'll change things. That'll help us live differently in the face of fear. Absolutely. Yep. And that fits with what Jesus said. You can't, there's nothing you can do with your worrying. So fretting is not going to help the situation. Putting our our hope in the King and the Father who loves us. That's what will be most helpful. Yeah. Seek first the kingdom because he's not saying don't eat or don't put clothes on your body. He's saying don't only seek these things. Don't. These are not the priority because they're temporary. 
And because if God provided for your soul, if he can bring you into eternal life, can't he put some clothes on your back? Mm -hmm. So thinking about God's authority and then two, worldview. So if we live in light of God's eternal kingdom, then I do believe the fear of death will diminish. It will, it will change. It may not completely go away, but it will change. Mm -hmm. Um, A dear friend of our families was in a battle with cancer and um, just recently professed faith in Christ and went into his arms just a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. And hearing about her profession of faith and how a, a strong clinging to Christ, her savior, transformed the way that she went into death mm-hmm. is so inspiring to me. Right. You know, and I'm sure she wasn't fearless, but she knew who to keep her eyes on. She knew who would be on the other side of death waiting for her. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to change that. I mean, COVID has been a huge wake up call. This, this merciful fear about death, right? Where are we fearing? Where are we headed? Because especially in the beginning, nobody knew how bad this was going to get. Um, so I, I think it'll change the way that we approach death. I think it'll change the way it will change our boldness and the way that we take risks for God, whether it's having that conversation with our neighbor on the driveway mm-hmm. about the Lord or taking up the call to foreign mission and going mm-hmm. when it's scary and your life could be at risk or your health. I think it changes things in our own hearts. We'll start mourning for those who are not in Christ. Mm-hmm. We'll have a burden for them. We don't want these loved ones to be cast into hell. We want them to know life. And maybe even a less of a burden for those who are facing death, who are in Christ. Right. Less so, of a worldly grief. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, what about possessions and money? I think it'll change how we're stewarding our earthly resources. Where are we storing up our treasure? What does it look like to seek first God's kingdom with our money, with our homes, with our possessions? I think we'll be more free. Mm. I think we'll trust God then when we don't have what we think that we need. I love this quote by Elizabeth Elliot. It's it's her perfectly because it's just so succinct. She says, if you don't have it, you don't need it. And that's hard, right? I mean, Elizabeth Elliot, she and her husband, Jim, so trusted the Lord and his call on them to go to the Ecuadorian jungles. And then her husband was speared to death by tribal people. Yeah. If you don't have it, you don't need it. I mean, how hard must that have been for her? Her husband's taken from her to say, okay, God, I must not have needed Jim. And, and your wisdom is higher than mine. I mean, that's hard, right? Because these are things that we want, you know, it's hard, yes. but I think it'll change our perspective there. So, yeah, I like to think of it as a scale. If the Lord is on one side and other things are on the other, which one weighs more? Is it the fear of the Lord or other things? And the more we learn to fear the Lord, the less we'll fear other things. It kind of makes them lighter or Mm -hmm. less burdensome. Like it it lightens the burden of these other fears. If the heaviness of our fear of God, I like that mental image there, Kristen, that's so good. So just in closing, have you ever lived this story out? Have you ever looked at something that was terrifying, looked at it straight in the face with the knowledge that you have a King who oversees all the details of your life and you have a good father? Yeah. Many times, um, you know, the Lord's Providence in my life has often involved pain, physical, like chronic or acute pain, Mm -hmm. 
I had Lyme disease for a number of years and a bunch of symptoms associated with that. But at present, you know, I just, about a month ago, my back just started hurting a lot. And I have two little kids and, um, I have had to fight a lot of fear over this pain because in my past I've had pains come on and never really go away. And so I've had to grapple with this and to say two things, uh, which of you, Kristen, you cannot add a single hour to your span of life Mm -hmm. by being anxious. Stay, please stay present because I'm going to give you grace sufficient for today. And that's so hard to do because I just want to know that everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. But the reality is I don't know. Well, and look at how your fear is focused on the future, right? And, and look at how your lack of fear can also be f- focused on the future. <laughs> like you fight that fear of the future with your knowledge of that there's nothing to fear in the future, right? Exactly. Exactly. So I think there's a, you know, something that I've really had to live out is um, the present, trusting God in the present. Mm-hmm. I just need, I need to trust you, Lord, t- today mm-hmm. and let that be sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, also being able to say, okay, you are my heavenly father and my king. So you're good to me. Yes. Even through pain, you're good to me and you're in charge of this. So this isn't like something random that you're surprised by and it's out of your control. You're in charge of this. For me, I think that that has given me a sense of, you know, settledness, confidence in him rather than a fretting and a worrying, kind of like a resting in my soul, knowing that I'm his sheep and he's my shepherd. Mm-hmm. And the fear is more acute on certain days than others. Mm-hmm. But I'm just really trying to stay close to him in the word and think on these things. And that is, he's my father, so I can pray to him. I can ask him. Mm-hmm. You know, I can approach him, the throne of grace with confidence and receive mercy and help in my time of need. So that's been true for me too. I can ask him for healing. I can ask him for trust. I can ask him for eternal perspective and worldview. So that's been the latest thing. Well, I'm so sad to hear that about this new pain, but thank you so much for encouraging us with truth and and what it looks like on a day-to-day basis to live like it's true. Don't fear, Kristen. Don't fear little Kristen, who's part of my, my little flock, your father cares for you. I love how Kristen mentioned that our fear lifts our eyes and calls our attention to this bigger story that we are all part of. Think if the world wasn't dangerous, if there were no threats, if everything was safe and the world was full of joy, would we ever want to hear more about this story of the God who came to rescue us and give us eternal life? The true story is this, if we live our lives ignoring God and rejecting Him, we have everything to fear. Our future includes a place of permanent separation from Him. But for those who do fear God, who believe the true story that the Bible tells and respond to Jesus, we are completely safe. We have been gathered into the kingdom. We're adopted children of the king. We're part of the little flock that is tenderly cared for by the father. And what is this father like? 
He's the type to keep watch over even little birds that fall and the type to keep count over the hairs on your head. This is the Father who sees you. He's for you. He won't ever let anyone snatch you out of his hand. The only thing that someone who comes with a knife or a gun can take is your life, which is but a moment compared to the permanent eternity of the kingdom of God. If a gun can't truly kill you permanently, then what harm can it do to you? So the next time that you face a nagging fear, remember the big story. Lift your eyes beyond the dangers and threats that are only temporary and entrust yourself to the one true God. Friend, I hope you'll take some time and read the passage we talked about today, Luke 12, 4 through 7 and 22 through 32. I have another Live Like It's True t-shirt to give away to MOO77HB, who left this review on Apple Podcasts. She says that Live Like It's True is inspiring, informing, and engaging. And she says she loves the request to really learn the story so that we can share it with others. For your chance to win a Live Like It's True t-shirt, leave your review at Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much to my son, Cade Popkin, for writing all of the music that you hear on our show week after week. Come check the show notes for links to all the things we've mentioned today and get your free Bible reading and discussion guide to go with all of the true stories of Jesus we're discussing in season one. Thanks so much for being here today. And now it's time to go live like it's true.